How many times have you found yourself with an illness that left you weak and unable to function? Or you have a period of time where you seem to hurt yourself regularly? Can intuition change physical damage? Can your self-talk make a difference? How can we heal using our emotions and our intuitive abilities? Listen in on this exciting episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose, where she opens up about her 25-year-old diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis and how she was able to use different tools that helped her manage it. And at age seven, when she realized she could speak to her great-grandmother who had passed, how that impacted her physical body. Let's get started, and here's Sharon. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. You know, I was thinking about our bodies, and I was thinking about health and et cetera, and I'm actually a super healthy person. I'm 69, and I have had a really, really good life, a very healthy life, but when I track my issues that I have had, the minor ones, or even in some cases major, when from the time I was small... I can recognize where there was emotional impact with physical self. So let me explain what I'm trying to talk about here. When I was a little girl, and I didn't recall this until after I had come back into a more spiritual place where I was being trained, and I started to remember my childhood. This was areas, there's some areas here that I I didn't remember it as I was growing up. But one of the most important and impactful situations that happened and has really guided me in my health a lot was when I was small, my great grandmother passed away when I was seven years old. And she was absolutely the most beautiful woman I'd ever known. I loved her so much. And so did my older brother. And we would stop every day at her house, which was between the school and and our place. And we'd have cookies and, and milk. And then we'd head on home. Now, when she died at my age, seven years old, I wasn't told that she had passed away. We kept asking if we could stop at grandma's and they kept saying no, that we couldn't. Finally, I just gave up asking. I think my brother did too. And I discovered that I was able to talk to grandma. But again, at seven, I didn't know that everybody else didn't do this. You got to remember, I had no knowledge of psychic ability or any of that kind of stuff, but I could talk to grandma. And unknown to me, she had, of course, passed. But I found myself having these great conversations with her in my bedroom. And I would talk to her about what I had done that day and about what my cat was doing and all these different things. And I would tell her every time, I miss you. When are you coming home? Like, when are you coming home so I can come to your house and have cookies and milk again? (laughs) And I don't remember how she answered that. But I just know that I love these conversations because they made me feel so connected to her. Um, again, I didn't know there was anything abnormal about what I was doing, but anyways, finally, I got really lonely for my grandmother. And finally I asked her one day, I said, grandma, I said, can I have your sty? I really miss you. Can I have your sty? She had a sty on her bottom eyelid and she said, of course I could. So I thought, oh, good. And I thanked her. And every day I'd look in the mirror, I'd look in the mirror and I just knew grandma was giving me her sty. And I looked in the mirror and finally a tiny little sty started to grow on my lower eyelid. But it was very, very small. I could see it, but I didn't think anybody else would be able to. So I couldn't wait to tell my folks that grandma had given me her sty, but I knew I had to wait for it to get bigger. So as it got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, then it got big enough that it was, it was, it was, you could see it. It was like a, like a little pimple on my eye. That's what it would look like. And so one day I went to my mom and I was so excited. And I said to her, I said, mom, look, grandma gave me her sty. Look, and mom could see it. I knew she could see it, but 
I mean, I know now that she could see it, but at that time, her reaction was so dramatic that it scared me and it hurt me and upset me. And I went back to my room and I told my grandmother, I'm really sorry, but I've got to give you your sty back because mom doesn't want me to have it. And I can appreciate now as an adult how my mother must have reacted to this little seven-year-old kid who said, look, you know, your dad, grandmother, who was my grandma, my great-grandma, is talking to your daughter. I mean, my mother, she's a good Christian woman. She's not going to go for that kind of stuff. So it really freaked her out. And of course, I didn't know she was freaked out at that point in time. I just knew that she didn't want me to have grandma's sty. And so when I told grandma I couldn't keep her sty, that I had to give it back, it went away. Now... Fast forward to 1994, when I found myself in a situation where I couldn't walk very well, I couldn't function, my body hurt everywhere. I just was so, so sore. And uh, so I went to see the doctor, I had some blood tests done and whatnot, and I was diagnosed with advanced rheumatoid arthritis. Well, being the French Irish girl that I am, I refused the diagnosis. I absolutely refused it. I said, okay, fine. You know, you think I have that. I don't believe I do. I believe that something else is going on here. And I just knew, I just knew that it had to be an emotional connection. Anyways, so I went to a specialist. They sent me to a specialist and it took three months to get to the specialist. And in the period of time, I started doing affirmations. I started uh, kicking the worry habit. Uh, I quit the job that I had. I changed a lot of my lifestyle, my eating habits. I upped my water. I started doing more physical aspect and started really being kinder to myself and telling myself good things like affirmations. I am loved. I am safe. That was my favorite one. I am loved. I am safe because I had an issue with love in my life and I had an issue with safety as a child. So I kept saying that, doing that, and do, changing those habits. And so by the time I went to the rheumatologist three months after the initial diagnosis, I had no signs or symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. Now, rheumatoid arthritis is considered an autoimmune disease, and it cripples your hands. It, it can really take you out. It can attack your body anywhere. It can really get into your organs. It can do all kinds of things. However, I wasn't worried, you know, so the doctor, the rheumatoid arthritis just basically said, well, it must have been a mistake in the blood test. And I said, okay, good, you know, maybe. And he said, let's do another blood test. And I said, do you want it done here or do you want it done up there? No, we'll do it here. He says, okay. So, and he said he would send the results to my doctor. So I said, okay. So they did that. And I knew, I knew intuitively, I knew that my autoimmune system was still crashing. And in their minds, I knew that the blood test that I had, it was the rheumatoid factor that was really high. You know, as I had cleaned it up in the last three months, I knew that I'd been working too hard, that I hadn't taken good care of myself, and that the emotional hits that I'd been experiencing were really taking me out at the knees. I was having a hard time. And so I knew that what I was doing before I went to see the rheumatologist was I was reversing the process. Now I was reversing it through some very practical techniques by eating better and drinking water and getting more sleep and not worrying so much and using affirmations and just taking general better care of myself and quitting a very stressful job. And it was around that time that I started doing a lot of spiritual studies and psychological studies just to see how do we connect our emotions to our bodies. I was really, really curious. And I, of course, was learning at that point in time as well, that our emotions are the language of the soul. And I was starting to understand, I had really no interest in a religious upbringing. It was something that I wasn't keen on at all, but I was interested in spirit. I somehow knew that there was more 
than just my body. This life wasn't all just about me and my body. There was more. There was more to me. And as I was starting to do more spiritual work and I was lifting my energy to a higher vibrational tone where I spent more time, and what that means is I spent more time in happiness than I did in sadness. I spent more time focusing on the good than I did focusing on the bad. And I was changing a lot of old habits, uh, worry being one of them and judgment of self, judgment of others, criticism of self, criticism of others, all those things that we tend to do in our culture, in our society, because I really had no background or basis to understand spiritual growth. I did never really did have that core. And what ultimately happened is as I was raising my vibrational tone, I was starting to get more and more and more information. And one of those bits of information came with some memory. And the memory was of my grandmother when I was seven. Now, 1994, I, I don't know, I'm 69 now. I don't know how old I was in 94. I think I was like 42, something like that. Yeah, I was 42 years old. And so that was 25 years ago. Okay, when I got that initial diagnosis. And as I started to recall and remember my interactions with my grandmother, knowing after reaching that age, knowing that she was actually gone at the point in time when I was talking to her in my bedroom and that she had given me permission to have her sty, And then I had given her permission to take it back. It gave me at this point now with this diagnosis in 1994, it gave me the understanding that I had complete control over what was going on with my body. I grew that sty because I loved my grandmother and the emotion that was connected to that was love and the power it gave me I mean, when I talk to anybody about this, they're amazed because they go, well, you can't just grow a new body part. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you really can. Now, is the medical community going to back me up on this? Probably not. I don't know. And I don't really care because it's not up to them what happens with my body either. It's up to me. And as time passes and goes, the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis, what happened was I ended up showing signs of rheumatoid arthritis on and off over the years, but just signs. I never took the medication. I never wanted to. When I did research on the medication, I was worried about burning up my esophageal. I was worried about some of the things that can happen to you when you take some of that medication. But every time I had an emotional traumatic moment or issue, it's my lungs and my hands and my body would be affected. And for example, around that period of time, as I was starting to study and, you know, I was trying to figure out why this diagnosis had become so relevant to me. And I started to understand that I was in a relationship that wasn't really super healthy at that time. And my partner at that time was very drawn to other women. And I was hurt. I was hurt by one particular situation that happened. I was hurt to the core and I wasn't used to being betrayed. I have a trusting nature or being let down or being disappointed in my partner. And all of a sudden I ended up in a situation where my body was falling apart and I really was able to connect the dots, but the memory recall had to come back to me. So what I guess I'm trying to say is when I had the emotional hit, it really brought the RA diagnosis straight up. That's the way my system interpreted the betrayal and my the way my emotions and my body were interacting. So as I became more aware of old memories and old situations that I had been able to resolve, I started really digging into 
the health and wellness and spirituality and how are they connected now i still have a physical body i have a human body and it still goes through its ups and downs and last year and i've mentioned this before when my father died i lost my voice i still haven't got my voice back completely but i think that's because i tried to talk too much when i was still I was still uh, grieving the loss of my father. The loss of my father hit me very hard. I had a very difficult time. And it was after just spending some time with my family and going to a short memorial that we did, just had a little service for, for dad right after he passed. I came back home and by the time I got home, it was a 12 hour drive. My voice was gone. But also within three months of that event, my hands were completely crippled. I wasn't even able to do the things that I had loved to do before that. I was getting to a place where I had just started making a lots of breads and doing a lot of different things. So I was using my mixer for everything because my hands hurt so much and they were, they were crippled, but they were starting to twist, which is a diagnosis. You would think medical community would look at my hands and say, you've got rheumatoid arthritis. But I just knew that it wasn't rheumatoid arthritis that I was reacting a number one to the loss of my father to the reaction of my mother when she saw me when I came over to BC and the way she was with me the whole time I was there, to the COVID pandemic that was going crazy all around me and all the people that were suffering and struggling and the stress and anxiety and the grief compounded until my hands became literally unusable. <laughs> Now, when I sat down and I took a real good look, I thought, Sharon, you got to get on top of this grief. You've got to start working with this grief for yourself. I hadn't lost a lot of people. I lost my brother in 2016. And I think that this, when I lost dad, it compounded it. And I was, I probably was grieving for my brother at the same time, but everything just came all at once because COVID had kept me away from my family. It kept me away from my kids, my grandkids. It, it was just not a lifestyle that I wanted to have along with the rest of the world. And I was just trying to do the best that I could. But when my hands got really bad, I needed them to come back. We were just starting to do the kitchen witching program. I was just starting to do the videos. Um, I was trying to do the videos because I was just getting my voice back in what November, October, November. And some of them are kind of raspy, sort of like my voice is now. But I knew that there was more going on to, than that. And I knew that I had to work vigilantly with my body. My physical body was starting to just fall apart. So what I did is I got back doing the affirmations really powerfully again, doing meditations again, really cleaning up my uh, eating habits, cleaning up just kind of what I did in 1994 when I had the diagnosis initially. And it started, it stopped the process of the crippling in my hands. And a lot of the pain went away, but my hands were still mildly twisted. And so I did a scan of my body. Now we can all do this energetically. There does say some training is involved, I'm sure. And I can, I can actually teach people how to do this. But what I did is I went into my body and I started reading my body often over and over again. Often, I did it every day, reading my body, finding stress points. Where did I hurt? What was sore? Going internal. What was going on with my organs? What was going on with my heart? How did I feel? What were my emotions doing? What was my mental state? What kind of thoughts were going through my head? And I had to modify everything if I wanted my hands back. And I wasn't ready to give up and let my hands go. Now, many, many people are diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and they believe the diagnosis. And so over time, they become crippled. 
It is a crippling disease. And what I chose to do, and this is about the power of choice, okay? And it's my choice. I'm not saying what I did was right or wrong. I'm not saying it would work for you or not. I don't know. But I know what happened for me. I made the decision to go to, there was a new Pilates studio that opened up here in my town. And I thought it was opening up. Oh gosh, it opened up, I think beginning of November. And right now is December the 1st today, 2021. And so I signed up and I started going to Pilates and I knew that I had to work on my shoulders, my neck, and my back. I knew that my legs are strong. My legs are good. Although I've had a few, a few, uh, you know, aches and pains in my legs after doing some of these workouts that I've been doing. But I went three times a week for the whole month of November to Pilates classes. And it's 50 minutes each time. So that's 150 minutes of physical exercise after sitting around doing absolutely nothing for at least a year. And really uh, spoke to all my instructors and told them that I was really trying to strengthen my shoulders and strengthen my arms and my elbows my wrists, my hands, my neck, and my back. That was the area that I was really wanting to strengthen. And I wore gloves, the copper arthritis gloves, to work out so that I had a better grip because my grip hadn't been very strong for a very long time. Well, holy cow, it's really reversed the damage that has been done to my hands. I still have a mild twist to my hands. Now I can lay my hands flat. I couldn't lay them flat. They were starting to curl so badly. I can spread my fingers out. I can move all of my fingers, my little finger on my left hand, left-handed, by the way, my little finger on my left hand clicks when it twists, when it bend it back and forth. And, but it wouldn't even bend before I can put weight on my wrists. I can turn, I can open any of my bottles and my testing, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. My test testing on this is a peanut butter jar. You know, those big peanut butter craft peanut butter jars where they're really wide and you have to open the lid and you're, if you're like kids can't do it because their hands aren't big enough, your hands have to go. Well, I couldn't do it. I couldn't twist it. I, I just couldn't spread my hand out enough and I couldn't do the turn of the jar lid. Well, now I can, now I can do it. It's, I made the decision. So what I'm understanding is that as I upped my spiritual practice and I upped my physical activity, the two were working together to heal my body. Every cell in my body has intellect. You've heard me say that before. Every cell in your body has intellect. When I made the decision to get well, and I determined that that was going to be my story, I wasn't going to allow myself to hit 70 being crippled and not being able to go and do the things I wanted to do. I made that decision. My body started to go in the opposite direction. I did that just as sure as I grew that sty on my eye and then gave it back to my grandmother. I am healing my body. I am reversing what medical community has said cannot be reversed. I've been told that by many people. And I have a lot of people that look at me and they just feel sorry for me. And I'm like, gosh, almighty, I can feel it. I can tell when people do that, that I can feel it. And for a lot of people, and some of my clients have actually noticed that ones that have come in regularly that have done a couple of coaching 
uh, programs with me or whatnot, they've noticed, holy cow, your hands are getting better. That's awesome. But what's happening is it's my shoulders and my neck and my back. But we have to intuitively take charge. And we also have to intuitively take responsibility for what is going on. And we're encouraged to give up our power. We're encouraged in our society to give our power up to the medical community. I work with my doctor. I love my doctor. He is fantastic, but I'm not going to give up my power to him. But he is one of my buddies that I can actually talk to about certain situations going on in my life and he can give me guidance. Now, he doesn't think exactly the way that I do. He's not completely convinced that I'm going to be able to reverse this system thing that I've got going on, but I can still go to him for medical advice. And if I break my arm, bet you I'm going to go see him. <laughs> yes, sir. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are so many situations around us. You know, you think about other things that go wrong with our bodies. When I went into real estate, when I was in my early 20s, I was working really hard. I was single. I had two babies. I was just really, oh boy. I mean, I was I was about 25. What I did is I ended up with bleeding ulcers. Now I had a lot of stomach trouble and a lot of stomach pain, but I just ignored it. I just thought it would go away and I was taking care of business. And one thing I can say is I've always lent in the direction or leaned in the direction of workaholic <laughs> always my whole life. And it was no different at 25. And I was a really good realtor. I did a really good job. I'm very proud of the work that I did there. But the diagnosis of a bleeding ulcer was devastating. And so I had to give up all fatty foods. I couldn't drink any alcohol. And it was really, it was intended to just heal. But what caused it? Now, if you ask somebody what causes an ulcer, they'll say, oh, you got too high stomach acid in your body. And that's probably true. My blood type is blood type O. And blood type O's do tend to have, we're the caveman blood type. We do tend to have too much stomach acid. A lot of times we're dealing with acid reflux or ulcers or that kind of thing. But what exacerbates that? And how come we're not controlling that with our own, you know, why does that get away on us? Well, what happens is something will happen stressful. Um, perhaps your finances are in a mess. Perhaps your, um, your home life isn't uh, as well as you'd like it to be. Perhaps you're you're making decisions that you're not sure if you're doing the right thing. Perhaps it's the whole situation is stress around you, but it also means that you're out of control. It means that you're not taking responsibility for what's going on around you. When you feel sorry for yourself or when you start blaming everybody else, your body's going to just go to, go to hell in a handbasket. It really is because it doesn't have any strength. You give the orders to your cells on what it, they're supposed to do. You tell your cells, do this. This is what your job is. You do this and you give it guidance. So your whole body knows exactly what to do. But if you, if you allow your emotional center to get out of control and you're not spiritually in charge and you're not speaking kindly to yourself and you're not eating properly and you're not giving yourself the water your body needs and you're in conflict and contrast all the time, you're going to have a lot of stress. You're going to have a lot of, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of issues and your body's going to show it. And one of the ways it shows it up for people like blood type O's is with um, ulcers. So here I am now. And, you know, it's hilarious because this shows how much we don't know. I was, uh, how much we don't pay attention, I guess. I quit drinking anything that had alcohol in it. I did step up my water. I did change my diet. I couldn't eat fried food anymore. And French fries were one of my favorite things. I never ate French fries for two years. Never ate a French fry for two years. Isn't that crazy? But I completely forgot donuts were fried because I love donuts. And I was having a donut one day and oh boy, I was in pain. Holy cow. I'm like, well, this is weird. I don't have, you know, I did use medication at that time too, to help heal the ulcer. 
because I started to understand. And I, though, I mean, bleeding ulcers are not funny. You got to take care of it or you're going to end up in a serious, serious situation. However, that's just another situation where I all of a sudden realized that I had to make some decisions and I had to be in charge and I had to take responsibility. And that means take responsibility for the crap that happened to you as a child. It's not anybody else's fault. There's stuff that happened. You take it on and you say, okay, what do I do about it now? Childhood is over. What do I do about it now? How can I heal it now? And there are ways and tools and techniques to do that. But your body is your temple. It's your place to hang out while you're on earth. Let's face it. When your body doesn't work anymore, you're done. You can't hang out here anymore. I mean, you can in spirit because spirit never goes anywhere. It stays right with us. And that's how mediums are able to connect with your crossed over loved ones and how you sometimes get have dreams or you yourself can hear their voice or uh, they change the tune on your radio or there's all kinds of things that will happen or you'll see sign from them. Uh, all the time, because you yourself, we're spirit, we're spirit having this human experience, but our bodies are just another tool for us to, to, to guide us as to are we on track? Or are we off track? Are we on point? Have we screwed up? Or and, and if we have, how can we reverse that? But the first thing you have to do, you have to own it, own it, when something's not working, own it, own it, take it on yourself and say, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make myself better? How can I reach out to, and where do I need guidance? You know, maybe you can't do it yourself. I think that's why I, I set myself up as a coach because I just found that we get so conditioned by our society and by the stories we've heard and the things we've been told. And it's even worse now with, uh, with the COVID issue that's going on. Oh, I say, you know, it's, it's life is supposed to be a lot more fun than it's been in the last couple of years for a lot of people. It's supposed to be a lot more fun. And the reason it's not is because we are confused. We don't know where our part starts and the world parts starts. We don't know where the two meet. We forget, or we've never been taught that we're in charge. We are in charge. We've given up our power so much to so many different situations that we don't even know how to take our power back anymore. And so I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you that if you've got a chronic health situation going on, or if you've got some kind of situation going on in your body that you just don't know, sit down and track it back time-wise, figure out where this might have evolved from, figure out what the emotional component to it is. Louise Hay has a book out called Heal Your Life. Um, she created this, she wrote this book years and years and years ago. It's got every ailment known to man in it, and literally, and it's got the affirmation that goes along. Now, I didn't discover this until later on with the Louise Hay work, and what I found was Shad Helmstetter with the affirmations. Something else, when I was little, my mother would get really upset and get really angry and have her meltdown. The first thing that happened to her is she got a migraine. And when I was a kid, I saw that so regularly that I had immediately and unconsciously made the connection between your physical well-being and your emotional state. And I knew, we all knew that if she was going to have a meltdown or get really angry, go Irish is <laughs> the expression, that she was going to have a migraine and she would be out of, out of commission for probably two days. So pay attention to what your emotional state is with your physical wellness. Pay attention to the both of them. Because I'll tell you what, I can promise you, if you can learn some new techniques, be positive, look at your world with appreciation, love those that are around you, stay away from toxic people, don't watch the news. <laughs> don't watch the news. 
I mean, you're gonna, as I said in the last one episode, somebody's gonna tell you if you need to know something, they're gonna share it with you, but don't watch the news. Treat yourself with kindness and respect. I teach my clients to be selfish. And when I say that, I don't mean stealing candies from babies. What I mean is take care of yourself first. You take care of yourself first, because if you don't take care of yourself first, nobody else is going to do it. Why should they? They've got to worry about themselves. And don't worry so much about all those people out there that you're trying to save. They have to be willing to save themselves, just like you have to be willing to own your story. Until next time, which we'll be talking about, we're going kind and sweetly into narcissism. Next episode is going to be about narcissism and all the different kinds of narcissists that have been identified through the psychological community. Until then, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. If you love hearing Sharon's stories and her advice and want to work with her, All you have to do is go to her website, SharonRose.com. That's Sharon with a Y. And if you want to enroll in her next session of Kitchen Witchin', which of course is starting in the new year, January 3rd, 2022. Well, registration is now open. You can find more information and how to register on her website, KitchenWitchin.ca. Talk to you next time.